Okay, so we've been walking through several of the parables, and today we're talking about the parable of the great banquet. And in this parable, it includes some of the lamest excuses of all time. So in prep, I thought, hey, I would find some of the best excuses of all time. And this is the one I thought was quite excellent. There's a kid in uh, Michael Lorner's class. He's an eighth grade teacher in Lake Point, Minnesota. Uh, he teaches health. And so he had a kid. Uh, the project at the time was, and you all may have done this before, but my girls did this. In the eighth grade, they, gave, um, they give kids like this electronic baby doll to take home, spend you know, 24 hours with, 24 hours a day for about a week. And so they can understand what, how, how complex it is to take care of a child. It's really a good program. Um, it's really good except when it's at your house and it's horrible because that kid cries and then it keeps you up and that kind of thing. But the, the student is responsible for this child for this week so that they can learn how to, you know, what it's like to be a parent, that kind of thing. Well, this kid comes to school and he doesn't bring his doll and the teacher says, why didn't you bring your doll? And this was his excuse. It's National Take Your Grandson to Work Day, and so he's, at, he's with my dad. I, I think that's, that's a great excuse. Uh, one of the lamest excuses, one of the wives said, my husband's excuse for not washing the dishes is, I'm allergic to hot water. So that, that one, I'm not sure that's as good. But we're talking about this great banquet. Now, Unsurprisingly, this story finds Jesus at a party. Jesus did a lot of partying. I mean, uh, you read the text and Jesus goes to a lot of parties. Um, here's kind of the situation. Uh, you're, you're in an, uh, an era where there's not a lot of entertainment. And so it's not like you have television or sporting events to go to. And so if there was a rabbi who was coming through town, a traveling rabbi or somebody like Jesus and he was prominent, then if you are a prominent person in the city, it would be common for you to invite this person to your home for a meal. And so Jesus received a lot of those invitations. And he attended a lot of those uh, places. And what I like about Jesus is he seems to sort of go anywhere he's invited. Now, um, he's just comfortable with lots of different kinds of people. And I have to admit, I don't know that I'm always really comfortable with lots of different kinds of people, but Jesus seems to be. And so you recall the story of Zacchaeus. All right, so Pharisees are on one spectrum, one end of the spectrum, and, and Zacchaeus was a tax collector, and they were hated by the people like the Pharisees. And so the Pharisees are religious elites, and they, are, they keep all the law, and the tax collectors not so much. And yet Jesus is walking along. You remember Zacchaeus, wee little man, uh, um, climbed up in a sycamore tree. And so Jesus sees him and invites himself to a meal at Zacchaeus' house. And mostly because Zacchaeus would have never been so presumptuous to invite a rabbi to his home. And yet Jesus sort of invites himself and he goes as a meal there. And the Pharisees would have seen that as very unrabbinic, like rabbis shouldn't do that. They should be the example setters of who we hang out with and who we don't hang out with. And so the Pharisees were trying to maintain spiritual purity and they wouldn't associate with people like Zacchaeus. And so Jesus did associate with people like Zacchaeus. And this is the reputation Jesus got. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathered around to hear Jesus but the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered. When you're muttering, that's just not good. And they muttered and they said, This man welcomes sinners and he eats with them. 
as if that's even worse. And here's why it's worse. Because in that culture, to share a meal with somebody was saying, I am your friend. I, um, I, we're, we're uh, you know, uh, we're copacetic. We're, we're good with one another. And so Jesus had interaction and meals with people that the Pharisees deemed unworthy. And so they muttered about him. They didn't like it very much. Now, the story today finds Jesus being invited to one of these Pharisees' parties. I don't know if he didn't know about Jesus' reputation, that he is the friend of sinners and he eats with them. I don't exactly know how it worked. But this Pharisee invites Jesus to his house. So that's where we find ourselves in Luke 14. When Jesus noticed how the guests picked the places of honor at the table, he told them a parable. Now, again, cultural. When you came to a party, there were... There weren't assigned seats, but there was, I don't know how to say it, designated seating. There was a notion around where you sat. And so, let's just use this room. Really, really important people sit on this side. Michael, it's you. (laughs) Maybe I should do it the other way. Uh, No, no. Really, really important people, this side. Daniel's back there, really important. Okay, really important. Moderately important people, middle. You know, that's you. Richie, that's you. Wonderful, unimportant people uh, on this section. Okay. You kind of played a little bit of musical chairs when you went to a party. And so let's say this was a party and we had these sections, you know, really, really important people, kind of important people, not so important people. And you wanted to be in this section. So you would, you would sort of play, uh, uh, you know, bumper pool with people and try to try to get into the good sections and Jesus noticed this everybody was vying for the best seats at the party and so he offers them some advice he says okay here's what you should do sit in the section where it's lesser people and then when the host comes in and sees that you're in the wrong section they'll take you to a proper place which would displace somebody here back to that section it was very cultural. It's kind of how it worked. And this is the way they thought. It was kind of ingrained in their society and in, in the way they thought about things. And so you even see it in Jesus' disciples. Remember, James and John's mom came and said to Jesus, Hey, would you let um, one of my sons sit on your right hand and one of my sons sit on your left hand? This is the language. This is the idea they're talking about. Can you, she was saying, can you put them in the, in the really important section in your kingdom? Because that's the way they thought. And they thought that about heaven as well. That heaven was going to kind of be like that. And if you've ever flown, you've kind of experienced this a little bit. Um, when you're waiting for a flight and then they call, hey, we're now boarding flight you know, 79, 42 or whatever. Uh, then they usually seat, I think they seat first class first. And then it's military and people with kids. I always bring one of those fake baby dolls so I can get on. But, you know, uh, people with kids. And then it's zones, right? And they, the zones go from front to back. And so they'll say zone one. And, and if you're in zone four, I, I'm usually in zone four or later. That's cheap to hit. That's where I am. Um, I really don't like anybody in the other zones. I, I kind of look at a mean, you know, like... Who you think you are. I kind of get, I have that attitude going on the plane. And when I walk by him, I'm looking at him with derision. You know, it's like, 
well, you're no better than me. You know, that kind of thing. It was real. It was real. So the parties were kind of like that. There were people in different sections, and you got in those sections because of your prominence in the community. Now, these parties oftentimes functioned as sort of a networking thing, right? You would network. In fact, let, let me show you something. Let me show you what Jesus says next. Then Jesus said to the host, he's going to give the host some advice. So before um, he was thinking about these people that are sitting, and he, was, he talks to everybody. Hey, all y'all, uh, if, why don't you sit over here so they can move you over here? That's, that was his first uh, offer of advice. His second offer of advice is this. Jesus said to the host, not to everybody, the host. When you give a luncheon or a dinner, do not invite your friends, your brothers or sisters and relatives or rich neighbors. If you do, they may invite you back and so you will be repaid. Um, You're doing that for the now. You invite the people that are similar to you for uh, for, um, a a profit in the the now. This is only going to profit you now. Then he goes on. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the lame, the blind, and you'll be blessed. Although they cannot repay you, although there's no networking benefit to you whatsoever, you'll be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. And that's code language for heaven. When you get to heaven, it won't matter that you hung out with people like yourself if you invite, if you help people in a less uh, uh, good situation, if you help people uh, in a dire straits, uh, and people that were uh, poor, crippled, lame, and blind, they were beggars, basically. If you help people that are really down and out, then there will be a reward for you in heaven. That, that's kind of the point of this whole, uh, this whole speech. And now, uh, the Jews really look forward to heaven. Again, let's think in the, the context of the culture. Because I... I I don't know what it's like to be hungry. It's obvious. Uh, uh, I, I just don't know what it's like. I, I watch the show called Alone. Anybody watch Alone? They're stupid. Uh, you know, uh, these people go out in the wilderness and they try to make their way. And, you know, it's like, uh, and, and the, whole, the whole show is them whining about being hungry. Well, you chose to, you know, like, shut up. Anyway, um, but I can't imagine what it's like to be really hungry. Well, Jesus' era, Jesus' day, these people that were poor, crippled, lame, and blind would have been hungry a lot. In fact, most people would have been hungry a lot. Being hungry a lot was sort of your lot in life. It's kind of how it worked. And so there were lots of hungry people. So to be invited to a banquet or to hear language like heaven is this banquet, which Jesus talks about a ton in these parables... Heaven is a banquet. And you see language around this all the time in the Old Testament. Isaiah talks about it. He says, on this mountain, on the mountain of the Lord, that's again in heaven, on the mountain of the Lord, in heaven, will, will, uh, the Lord will prepare a feast of rich foods for all peoples, a banquet of aged wine, the best of meats, the finest of wines. Heaven is a lean cuisine-free zone. There is no low-fat, high-fiber, low-sodium, sugar-free, taste-free tofu in heaven. None of that. In fact, it says, the best of meats, and if you're a vegan, you can infer, imply, and the best of veggies, the best of meats and veggies, 
and the finest of wines, the best and the best. And you can imagine how that resonates to people when their stomachs are growling. Oh, heaven is a place unlike what I'm experiencing now. I mean, most of us, we can eat 25 times a day if we had, I mean, if we wanted to. We, we can get food all the time. Well, not so much in that culture. And so you can see why that really kind of tweaked them. They, they really kind of amped them up when they heard about, hey, there's this food, there's this place, and the banquet is going to be opulent. And there's going to be copious amounts of food. And, and you can eat and do anything, you know, you can drink this wine and eat this food, and it's going to be magnificent. Now, there were questions around the banquet, really kind of key questions. The whole society had these questions, so we're going to talk about them today. The first question was, who's invited? Like, who gets in? And so Jesus uh, says, gives them this parable. When one of those at the table with him uh, heard this, he said, this is, this is like a cliche. So Jesus is saying, okay, I'm going to tell you a story. This guy says, blessed is the one who will eat at the feast of the kingdom of God. It's a cliche. It's like a toast to himself. Blessed is the one. He's basically saying, uh, I'm going to be one of those. Blessed is me, is kind of what he's saying. And the Pharisees felt as if this was highly exclusive. Like heaven was only reserved for a certain people. And I began to think about, okay, what's the most exclusive thing we can do on the planet right now? Did you know it's, it is... You have an opportunity. It is available to you. You can uh, travel to and spend some time at the International Space Station. You, all of you, any of you can go to the International Space Station. All you need is $55 million. For $55 million, and what's really funny about the article I read, it says $55 million for a round-trip ticket. What other ticket would you want? Uh, you know... Unless you're looking for that special something for your mother-in-law. Uh, I think round trip is the way to go, you know, if you're going to the International Space Station. Just, just me. Now, you could purchase this perhaps with your American Express Centurion card. I'm not going to ask how many in here. I know there are several people in here that probably have the American Express Centurion card. From what I understand, it's the most exclusive card to receive in America. Let me tell you why. To, now, you can't apply for this. They have to invite you to be a part of the American Express Centurion family. Now, you will have to have spent uh, up, uh, at least $250,000 with American Express in the previous year. Then you get an invite. If you get an invite and you want to have the Centurion card, uh, you, the initiation fee is $7,500 and the annual fee is $2,500. Uh, so again, if you have one of those, uh, I'd like, I'm going to go on vacation and I'd like to have, you know, just an opportunity to take that with me one time. So there's exclusivity. And so you've been to restaurants where it says no, no shirts, no shoes, no service for, for the Pharisees, their sign would say no Gentiles, no women, no sinners. None of y'all getting in. That's what they're saying. You all don't get in. And so this guy, he has this kind of pious thing. Blessed is the one who will eat at the feast of the kingdom of God. And there is an expected answer. This is sort of a cliche. He didn't invent this, uh, this sentence. People, people would say that to each other. Blessed is the one who will eat at the feast of the kingdom of God. 
And he expected Jesus to say, may we ourselves be counted among those who are worthy. And they would all piously sort of, you know, uh, steeple their fingers and think to themselves, yes, as if we aren't, you know, not only are we getting in, but we're going to get to make toast. You know, it's kind of how the Pharisees saw themselves. Not only are we getting in, but we're sitting in the good section in heaven. That, that's their mentality. And so they're expecting Jesus to say a certain thing that he doesn't say. So he starts with this story. So question one is who gets in, right? And Jesus says, basically, the banquet is prepared for many guests. Jesus replied, a certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. So when they hear language like great banquet, they're thinking heaven. Prepared a great banquet, invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servants to tell those who'd been invited, come for everything is ready. Now, a banquet had like a dual invitation. You would tell people, hey, generally speaking, um, uh, the, the, the wedding or the banquet is going to be on this date. But you wouldn't really set a time. They, they weren't so time conscious as we are. I mean, we're pretty time conscious. I married somebody from Switzerland. Uh, they, you know, there's a reason the, the Swiss are very time conscious. They make watches, you know. But I've been places where time isn't so uh, re- revered. I went to Brazil. I went to Tanzania. They have ish time, you know. We're going to start at 11-ish, you know. Uh, we're going to be done at noon-ish, and so if something were to start at 11, or supposed to start at 11-ish, then it would start at 11-ish, which might be 11.30, it might be 11.45, it might be 10.50. I mean, they were kind of, it was kind of a moving target. And so the invitation would go out, and they would say, okay, on September the 22nd, this is when the party is going to be. That day, put, put a, an X on your calendar, uh, make a note, this is the day of the party. Again, if you hardly had any food, you would circle that day. Every morning you would get up, you'd look at your calendar, and you'd think, oh, we're only 25 days away from that day. I mean, it's going to be right here before you know it, and we're excited. And so you would RSVP, hey, I'm coming. Because here's the deal. Food was not plentiful, and you didn't want to waste it. And so... You, you would say, okay, I, I'm in. The 22nd, I, I'm in. I'm coming. Prepare a meal. Prepare enough for me. I'm coming. Uh, you know, unless, there's, uh, unless I'm uh, prohibited some way, I'm, I'm physically unable or something happens, I, I will be there. I'll do my very utmost. Nothing will get in my way. I'm going to be at your party. And, and so the host makes a note, okay, I'm, I've, got, I've got, you know, 75 people that are coming to the party, or 29 people, whatever it is, and, and I know to prepare that much food. And then they would send out the invitation and say, come for everything is now ready. Hey, it's, it's the day, can't go yet, can't go yet, can't be early, it's rude. But they'll send out a servant, oh, it's ready, it's ready, come on, It's ready. Now, can you imagine getting that news? Oh, I've been, I've been looking at that on my calendar. I am excited. It's ready. Now, who can get to the party? Well, many are invited. Now, the second question is, when is it going to start? Because that's the, there's a party coming. It's super exciting, but when's it going to happen? And so they, 
they, they were thinking about this for hundreds of years. L- look at what Isaiah wrote. Isaiah lived about 700 years before Jesus. But let me look at the language. We use this at Christmas sometimes. God will give a son to us. He'll be responsible for leading the people. His name will be Wonderful Counselor, Powerful Father, Father who lives forever, Prince of Peace. Power and peace will be in His kingdom. It will continue to grow. He will rule as king on David's throne and over David's kingdom. And he will make it strong by ruling with goodness and fair judgment. He will rule it forever and ever. And they were looking for somebody in the, in the model of David to come and lead them um, militarily. David was this great leader. But he was a great military leader. And that's what they were looking for. And so the question is, well, when's it going to start? And then this... Carpenter turned rabbi from an obscure little village called Nazareth begins to preach. And he begins to say stuff like, Repent of your sins and turn to God, for the kingdom of heaven has come. And Jesus was saying, It's it's here. I'm it. It started. The party has started. And this would be staggering to the people who were waiting for a Messiah because Jesus didn't do anything the way they thought the Messiah would do it. And he's hanging out with shady characters, prostitutes and tax collectors and the poor and the blind and the lame and all the people that the Pharisees said you should never hang out with if you want to be a pure person. Jesus was hanging out with them. And so Jesus is saying the party has started. Now, side note. The invitation can be snubbed. And this is the part of the story where everything sort of goes wrong. Uh, But they all alike began to make excuses. They began to make excuses. And these aren't just excuses. These are horrible excuses. I'll explain it in just a second. But to say, hey, I'm coming to your party, prepare enough for me, and then to not show up, was it was beyond rude. In fact... Some in the Middle East would say that is an act of war. Because if sharing a meal together is a sign, is symbolic of friendship, then saying you're going to come and not show up is a sign of aggression. I mean, this wasn't just a little problem. This was a huge problem. And so they begin to make these excuses. To not show up, ladies, would be like having a date to the prom... You're all dressed up, you got your hair all did up, you know, you, you have nails that are done. You've got, you know, toilet water on, isn't that what they used to call perfume? Uh, who, who came up with that? Anyway, uh, you, you're smelling good, you're looking good. Got the updo, or whatever they do today, you know, you, you're ready, and he doesn't show up. Doesn't call, doesn't text, just doesn't show. Now, if you do that to a girl with brothers, they come after you, from what I hear. Uh, that, that is a bad way to be. Dudes, it would be like this. Your girlfriend agrees to come watch you play softball because you are a baller. You want to show it, you want to show off. You want to get some, you know, show off. Get some hits and such. You want to run fast and hit 
get dirty, look cool, slide head first like Pete Rose. You want to do stuff like that. You want her to see you in action. Manly action. You, know, you, want, you want to be manly. She agrees. And then she doesn't show up. And you find out later she went to the mall. <laughs> Worse than that. Worse than both of those things. To say I'm coming to the party and not show up was worse than all of that. Well, these guys start to make excuses. And these are bad excuses. First guy says, uh, I just bought a field and I must go and see it. Please excuse me. (laughs) I don't know many people who would buy a house and then say, hey, I'd like to go see what neighborhood it's in. I mean, most of us would want to go and see it. Well, this guy evidently has bought a field, and nobody would do this, and everybody knows it. Again, this is a very small area. Israel's not big. There's not a lot of land. Uh, So if you were going to buy a piece of property, you'd want to know, does it have a spring on there? Does it have a creek that runs through it? Are there places to plant trees? Does it have an orchard? Uh, Has it been plowed? All those things would go into your consideration of buying the field. You'd never do this. This is just insane language. And then the next guy has maybe a worse excuse. I've just bought five yoke of oxen, uh, and I'm on my way to try them out. Again, for weeks, months, they've circled this date on the calendar. They know this is coming. You could try out the oxen any day of the week. You'd never buy them without trying them out. This would be like me saying, oh, dude, I can't come over. I just bought five cars, and I'm going to go see if they have any engines in them. It, it is just ridiculous. The whole thing is ridiculous. And then the third one is the worst yet. I just got married, so I can't come. He doesn't even say, excuse me. Now, this is in a society where you're not henpecked because you told your wife what to do. I mean, uh, get it? I mean, in America, it's like, well, yeah, that makes sense. Well, no, it didn't make sense in that culture, in that time. It just, none of these are legitimate. These are the most illegitimate excuses. They're rude. They're unrefined. They're, they're obnoxious, frankly. And Jesus tells this story, and I would think everybody in the room is saying, well, this is dumb. Nobody would do that. (laughs) That's the craziest thing we've ever heard. But when Jesus said the kingdom of heaven has come, speaking of himself, that's when they said this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. So what happens? You can snub an invitation, but what happens if you do? Well, the servant came back and reported this to his master. Then the owner of the house became angry. Now you can imagine if... So ladies, let's say... Or guys, let's say you, you make a date with a beautiful girl and, and she texts you and says, I can't come over tonight because I'm knitting socks because winter's coming. I mean, it's like it's really, really lame. And that would you'd be really upset with that and... And so he's angry, and, and again, the master in this story is representative of God, and he is, he's angry when people, um, when people reject his grace. But, he, but he doesn't, he's not mad so much just mad at somebody. He's disappointed. But he's not deterred or dissuaded or discouraged. He gets determined. So the answer to the question is, what happens when the invitation is snubbed? Well, he just invites other guests. 
The servant came back and reported this to the master. And the owner of the house became angry and ordered his servant. All right. In life, when you figure out what the problem is, then you can, uh, you can attack it. All right. So he gets mad for a second and then he attacks the problem. So he says to his servant, go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind and the lame. Have you heard that language before? That's the language Jesus said, hey, when you have a party, invite these people. The people that can't pay you back, invite those people. And everybody around the room is like, we wouldn't invite those people. Well, that's the point. Those people aren't like you. And those are the people you need to invite. And these are beggars. Can you imagine? Oh, just think about it. In the morning, I'm going through the dumpster to try to find a meal. And in the afternoon, some dude comes by and says, there's a banquet prepared with the finest meats and choicest wines, and you can come if you want to. Well, I'd hop out of that dumpster as fast as I could get out of there. And I would go with them. And you go into this banquet hall. Can you, are you just picturing it? And an hour ago you were dumpster diving. And now you're feasting on the choicest of meats. I mean, can you imagine the laughter around a table like that? Can you believe our luck that we'd be saying to one another? Can you believe how gracious the host is to invite us? That's not the end of the story. Sir, the servant said, what you ordered has been done, but there is still room. There's still room. There's more room. And the picture is, heaven is this banquet hall. And there are many chairs. And they're not filled. And so look at the master's response. He says this to his servant, Go out to the roads and the country lanes and compel them to come in so that my house will be full. Now, remember it started out in, in the alleys. Now it's the roads and the country lanes. So the alleys, that would be, alright, so go to the people in the city and now it's go to the people in the country. Go out. Um, let's broaden our search for people who can sit in these seats. And then this language about... Compel them to come in. Uh, compel them to come in. We think, uh, well, that would be like you grab them and bring them in. It's not like that. If you are a lower society person, a lower echelon person in this society, and somebody from the upper society invited you to a party, you would be expected to say, thank you for the invitation, but I can't come. Because... You wouldn't fit in over there. And you know it. If I was invited to a billionaire's party, I probably wouldn't go because I, would, I wouldn't know what to talk about. What do billionaires talk about? I have no idea what that would be like. And, and so the invitation would go out and the people in the lower society would, would say, well, thank you. It is such an honor to be invited. I, I'm going to take this invitation and I'm going to frame it. Now, I'm going to show it to my friends that I was worthy to receive an invitation. But I, I just couldn't come. I don't have anything to wear. I, I wouldn't know which fork to use. 
I wouldn't know what to say. I wouldn't fit in. And so the master is telling the servant, don't take no for an answer. You tell them. Yeah, 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 we know what etiquette is. We know you're supposed to say no, but I really want you to come to the party. So that my house will be full. God is a full house fan. He wants his house to be full. Ain't no party like a heavenly party. Because a heavenly party don't stop. That ought to be a song. I mean, that's good. You could take that and make something out of it. Now, one last question. Is there anybody you know that needs an invitation to the party? I came up with this idea about some chairs. So, the chair on the left, that's an office chair. Maybe there's somebody in the office where you work that maybe they don't think they'd be welcomed at church. Or, how many of you ever heard this? If I showed at church, the, the roof would fall in. I've heard that before. You tell them. Uh, our building is steel and it's reinforced. Uh, no falling. It will not fall. You tell them. You, you compel them. Oh, why don't you give it a go? Maybe it's a rocking chair. Maybe it's a, a mother. You know, mothers rock their babies. Or, or it's somebody who's older and they, they rock a little bit. And maybe it's somebody like that that needs a kind word, an invitation. Maybe it's somebody at school. That's a school chair on the left. Somebody at school that you attend school with and you can say, hey, um, we have student ministry and it's great and we meet on Wednesday nights and we have a new guy and uh, we like him a lot and we'd love you to come and, and be a part of us. So we have a meal. They always have a meal on Wednesday nights and it's, it's, it's really so good. And, and we play nine square and we, we just hang out and it's great. Maybe it's somebody in... A sports chair, that's, that's when you go to the ball games where your kids are playing and you invite some of those parents around who might not have ever received an invitation. Maybe it's somebody around your kitchen table. Somebody that you know in your home. You see, sometimes we neglect to make the invites. And Jesus, in this story, was saying, invite Everybody. The invitation is open to everybody. It's, it's everybody's party if, if they want to come. You don't have to come. You can turn it down. But you're invited. Everybody's invited. Let me show you a picture. That dude in the background there is a guy named Craig Thornton. He's one of the greatest chefs in America. Young. These pictures on the left, those are a couple of, of the dishes that he's created. It's like art. I mean, he's amazing. You should look him up. Craig Thornton. Alright, so on occasion he throws a dinner party. It's usually at his house, the flat, uh, flat little apartment in New York. And he invites 16 people. 16 people. No more, no less. Now you can be considered, but Thornton only invites people that he considers interesting. So, you can have a lot of money, but if you're not interesting to him, he's not going to invite you. You could be very famous, but if you're not interesting to him, he won't invite you. Sixteen people 
And then he creates some of these incredible dishes for you. You can sign up. Evidently, there's a list someplace where you can say, hey, I'd like to be considered, but you better be pretty interesting. Now, I'm very thankful that Jesus is nothing like that. I don't begrudge him. He can do whatever he wants to. It's his, it's his house. But Paul writes about, that Paul was a guy who was really anti-Christian and then became a Christian. Christ Jesus, he said, came into the world to save sinners. And then he says, of whom I am the worst. What's really interesting about that is he wasn't poor or blind or lame or crippled. He was a religious elite who looked down his nose at everybody else. Thought he was better than everybody else. I want to end with a verse. Revelation, Jesus says, Look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I'll come in and we will share a meal together as friends. The invitation isn't just for somebody else. The invitation's for you. The great banquet is for us. It's for all of us. That's what's so great about Jesus. He is the friend of sinners, of which I too am one of the worst. Thank you, Father, for how good you are to us, for the invitation being so broad sweeping, for inviting all of us to attend. I pray, God, that we won't look down on anybody because everybody is precious to you. I pray this humbly in Jesus' name. Amen.